Yep, I know it's been a long time. You're probably wondering what happened to us. We freaked out, joined the army, we worked for the government, went into business for ourselves, went our professional killers. Welcome to the Monkey See Monkey Review podcast. Yeah, that's right. We have returned. Monkey See, Monkey Review is back for Christmas. It's just what you didn't ask Santa for, but you know what? We're here anyway. Uh, we felt it was about time to bring the team back together. So if you're brand new to the Monkey See, Monkey Review podcast, it's quite a simple concept. Uh, it's myself, Scott, and the Monkey See, Monkey Review family, and we get together as often as we possibly can to wax lyrical about watching films and the experience of film how it enriches our lives i guess you'd say so joining me this time out is one member of the uh, the monkey see family we've got the magnificent uh, mr craig woodfield how you doing craig i'm very well thank you uh, it's it's great to be back it's been a good while but uh, yeah yeah i'm excited to be back brilliant well it's it's lovely to have you here so the other two members of the team Kev and Chris, they are both otherwise engaged, but they send the love. And there will be uh, contributions from uh, the wonderful Mr. Kevin Haney, uh, the guy behind the guy behind the guy. And he's given us a few contributions that we can use. So his presence is felt among us. So, Craig, it's been since May. What's happened since then? (laughs) Uh, Many, many things. Look, we've we've been let out. We've, We've been allowed to go back to the cinema. Uh, which I have wholeheartedly enjoyed doing uh, as a family and then also going on my own as well with with certain releases so yeah that's that's pretty much it really been I've I've kind of not held back a little bit maybe on the the streaming and tried to get to the cinema as much as I possibly can yeah I mean same here I've I've tried to see as many of kind of the, the bigger releases on streaming as I can this year and, and try and fit in as, as, as many films as possible. But yeah, the the joy of being able to go back to the cinema, uh, that's been quite magnificent for me, really. I think uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. What was your first experience back at the cinema then this year after they after they reopened? Can you remember? I, I waited a little while and I went with the James Bond movie. Uh, I think ah, okay. there might... There might have been a small. I, there was a. There's a small independent cinema that I that was doing sort of like, um, like not new releases and so on. A little bit like the the Prince Charles. Um, yeah. So I think I went there to see a couple of kind of art house movies, but sort of mainstream release. I think was the James Bond movie, uh, which was my and I took my son. It was his first James Bond cinema experience. So you know it was it was, it was kind of obviously the ending of the the Daniel Craig era as James Bond so it was kind of nice for him to start there and then start afresh with whoever it is they they bring in for the next bond so that was yeah. my first first big one yeah that's a great first one so i had a double header so i waited about i think it was about 4 or 5 weeks from the the initial opening of cinemas uh but then went back and did a double bill and uh on the same night managed to go and watch uh, nobody, the Bob Odenkirk. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Action, action. I always call it an action comedy because it's really, really funny at points. Genuinely entertaining. Uh, definitely would be on my uh, recommendations long list for 
2021 for sure. Um, and then followed that swiftly up with uh, A Quiet Place 2 because, I mean, it was one of the last films that we were due to get before we went into the, the lockdown at yeah, the yeah. Beginning, beginning of the uh, the pandemic. So it's only sort of fitting that that was one of the films that we... Uh, that we went to see first first time out, so uh, I, that was. With, I never uh, went to see that at the cinema because the our cinema locked down complete from from the first lockdown. It never reopened my local one, and the, yeah. the one thing that they put in front of the window was the standee for that. Yeah. So I have an association with sort of like eighteen months of just longingly looking through that window, um, and quite place too. So I've never gone to see it. Because as much as I liked the first one, well, I really, really enjoyed the first one. I've not seen Quiet Place 2 because I have an association with that sort of that 18 months of lockdown because it yeah. was those faces staring out at me. So, yeah, uh, so I will need to catch up on that at some point. And let's face it, I mean, it happens to the best of us that we spend a very, very long time gazing longingly at Emily Blunt. So, you know, of course, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I managed to go and see. I managed to go and see it. Uh, I, it's 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 cracking. It's very much sort of more of the same. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it, it's not exactly <laughs> current current movie watching, but certainly as my my first one of my first experiences back, it was it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, saw it with a, an old uh, friend of mine and Craig's and friend of the show, Mister David Mustin. So, Dave, if you're listening, good evening and welcome back. Or whatever time you're listening to the show, because I know Dave does uh, enjoy a listen of the Monkey See Monkey Review podcast. Um, so we're not going to kind of get into our cinema going highlights of the year so far, because a few of those will make it into our top threes of the year that we'll be coming up with in a couple of short weeks. Where we'll hopefully have more of the crew together and we'll recap some of our highlights of 2021 and give you our list of our top three films each as we did last year of the films of 2021 but uh, just in the interim are there any things that are not on your top list Craig that you would uh, you would say have been particular highlights for you the for for the the way that the film made me feel uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife I went with my entire family and it was a, a big family experience uh, which is the way that I kind of remember Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 being for me uh, and yeah. my family. And um, so I'd been waiting a long time. I knew I knew there was going to be some negative reaction to, to the film regardless, um, you know, be based upon, you know, lots of, you know, negativity online and so on. Uh, but yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I've also, obviously, I'd, I'd mentioned uh, Bond as well, which was a, a big spectacle to see. Um, and Dune as well, um, which yes. I enjoyed, but I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as others. I, I kind of wish that we had had the opportunity to review it as, as, a, as a podcast because I'd like to hear other people's views on it um, well. as well. So. If you if you wait if you wait a couple of weeks, we might just get a chance to have a bit of a discussion of that because that might be. And I'm still I'm still paring down my list. It is very close to being in my top three for the year, um, but I'm I'm still mulling that one over quite uh, quite carefully. Um, Me I've too, got, which is why yeah. I mentioned it because I'm not I'm unsure. So yeah. Um, I've got to agree with you on um, both of those. Yeah, I mean, Ghostbusters Afterlife had a fantastic, uh, really unexpectedly fantastic experience watching it. Um, So it was just before my birthday and I had a a, a last minute invite from our 
mutual friend and uh, co-host Kev to come down and join him for a VIP screening literally just before my my birthday and it just warmed me to the very core it was a, the first ghostbusters particularly is such a a big part of my movie going formative experience that it was one of big we've talked about it in previous movie going experience discussions uh, what impact uh, Ghostbusters had on me, and you know, go back and listen to our back catalogue, listen to some of those discussions because they're really great, um, and it, it digs more into that. But it brought back a lot of those feelings for me uh, because it's such a warm love letter of a film. Um, I have issues with it. Um, I think there are. I think there is a point in the film where it leans a little too heavily on some of the legacy stuff from it, uh, from kind of the original film, that I would have liked to have seen the film forge its own path a little bit. But with Monkey See, Monkey Review, we are so careful on spoilers and going as spoiler-light as possible. But, you know, I, I can't go into into too much depth to kind of expand on that. But what I, I left with was just this great, sort of warm emotional feeling and I thought it, it was played beautifully and it it was what I've been wanting to see since I remember the discussions around a Ghostbusters 3 when me and you were at university together Craig um, yeah and absolutely you, you know the late late 90s early 2000s when uh, you know the discussions were around the, the frat pack of the time so Ben Stiller potentially getting involved and Vince Vaughn potentially being involved in like, this new wave of Ghostbusters and the the discussions around who was going to come back and who wasn't. But the idea of having the remaining original Ghostbusters together, um, you know, there is, uh, you know, there, there was hope that uh, hope that that would happen. So uh, yeah, what what we ended up getting, I thought, was really really satisfying and really really warm and really lovely. And like you say with Bond, I think you know as, as as spectacles go, uh, it was it was one of those things that this is this is what we we came back to the cinema for: big, loud, uh, bombastic, great entertainment, lots of fun, and yeah, and and that climax as well, um, and mm-hmm. of course a fantastic Hans Zimmer score. Uh, Zimmer doing Bond was um, was quite the match. I thought uh, really yeah. really strong. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very, It was the the score was, and it's the first. I think it's the first James Bond score that I I bought when hearing it. Um, it kind of yeah. resonated with it. I always got like the singles, the showing my age, the CD singles, and so on, uh, but never yeah. went for the full album. Um, even when you know uh, Dave David Arnold, who's from my hometown, uh, was doing the score, I never went out and bought the full score. But this is the first time I was like, I've I've got to get my hands on that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a great score. And uh, spoiler alert for a, f- a future episode of uh, of Monkey See Monkey Review that uh, we because if you're new to the show, uh, we do do a regular uh, regular feature where we add our uh, favourite tracks from movies uh, onto an ever expanding uh, playlist. And uh, there is almost definitely going to be a contribution from the No Time to Die soundtrack appearing certainly in the next few months because yeah they're, they're, there's some real standout pieces on there yeah i really 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 loving that 
Um, there have been some other really, really great things that I've managed to see at the cinema this year. I'm going to hold my tongue on a couple of them, though, uh, because, uh, as I say, they will more than likely be in my best of for uh, 2021. Uh, or there or thereabouts, so it will definitely be in my honourable mentions. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna rest on that one there. Although not, not far off missing out. I've managed to get to the cinema in the last couple of weeks, and I've seen a couple of really, really nice films. So I've, I've managed to see the brand new West Side Story at the weekend, which I'm not the biggest musical fan. I actually, I actually really enjoyed it. You can see how inspired by musicals of, of days gone by how inspired Spielberg was by them because there's that real sort of old school sort of musicals feel about it with just that little bit extra sort of modern sheen to it and the, uh-huh. yeah he's he's done an absolutely absolutely magnificent job and some great great performances I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, I went to see a, a small French film uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, called Petite Maman. So it was directed by the uh, the director of the uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is one that is on my to-watch list because it's had nothing but staggering reviews. Uh, so it's uh, Céline Sciamma, uh, French director. And the story is quite simple that a little girl goes to stay at her grandmother's house after her grandmother passes away while her parents are basically clearing the house out and while she's there she encounters a small girl playing in the woods and the two become friends uh, but there's more to that relationship than initially than initially appears and it's it's a really slight film it's only it's only about an hour and 10 minutes long and it's really, really beautiful. It's a really sweet film. It's It's got that lovely sort of childlike vibe to it, but with a real maturity about it. It's, it was quite unusual in in the idea that it's a it's grown-up drama. Uh, it was actually a U-certificate because there's literally nothing within the film that has any any sort of kind of disturbing elements or anything anything inappropriate to it it's just it's focused on the relationship between these two eight-year-old girls and it's that discovery of the relationship and it's and it's really nice all the way through but then there is a moment that drops towards the end that all of a sudden you kind of feel feel that impact uh i saw a really nice sort of write-up about it uh just as just after I went to see it, that likened the relationship to that moment when, and Craig will will know this as you know we're, we're both fathers. When you take your young children to a playground, and all of a sudden, uh, they they meet they make friends with one of the children there, and it's like they're they're the firmest friends that they've ever made, and then they have to leave them after this short time. It's kind of that that vibe, but. Um, taken taken further and i i could say more but i don't want to kind of ruin the discovery of 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 that uh of what of where that story goes but it was really really beautiful really lovely film really kind of small and intimate but uh yeah just just the sort of film that you can just sort of sit there and let wash over you and just have 
kind of a wonderful emotional time with. So yeah, uh, they're kind of the two that I'm uh, I've seen fairly recently that I've really really enjoyed. So yeah. So moving from our recent cinema experiences, <laughs> it's Christmas, and this is our festive episode. Uh, so. One of the things we did last year that we like to do, we're going to try and do every year, is we're going to just really, really quickly touch on some of the uh, festive TV and streaming premieres or some of the big films that are happening in and around Christmas Day. Uh, so we've got a small a small sample of those because we could be going through the radio time circling 100 fantastic films. Uh, just a word to the wise, keep your eye out because on uh, the BBC channels, they will be showing the staggering Blade Runner 2049 at some point over Christmas. I did spot that in the in the radio times. Uh, so, yeah, make sure you check that out. But Christmas is a time for, for mostly sort of family watching uh, or, you know, some of the big releases. So what I've done is I've gone through uh, some of the bigger releases that are going to be happening on BBC, on Netflix on now tv and also on disney plus because there's some cracking cracking films coming up and potentially cracking films because there's uh there's a a full-on premiere a brand new release happening on netflix on christmas eve so we'll start there uh because we've got the brand new adam mckay film so adam mckay who you know <laughs> previously of, of anchorman fame but latterly uh vice and the big short uh so you know you know what you're going to be getting with that. Uh, it's uh, the new satire comedy drama starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence and Joan Hill and Meryl Streep and Mark Rylance and my God, what a cast list. Uh, it's called Don't Look Up. Uh, so it's uh, that is releasing on Netflix on Christmas Eve. It looks really interesting. It has had some mixed reviews from the the sublime to the significantly less sublime kind of general uh, story is that the the Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio characters have discovered a comet heading towards the earth and it's going to cause an extinction level event but it's trying to convince politicians and the people that this is a very real threat and uh, it's something to be worried about so it feels almost like there's there's going to be a lot of sort of righteous anger <laughs> against uh, against politicians and celebrity and media within that. So I, I think it looks like it's going to be it's going to be really really interesting. Uh, maybe not one to watch after the the Queen's speech, but certainly in that gap between Christmas and New Year, I'm going to be checking it out. And make sure it goes on my list of films that I've I've watched before the end of 2021. It's it's one of those films that for me it seems that there's always been, there's been teasers around for this for a, the longest time. Mm. I don't know when they started production on it, but I remember you know through the social media and, and obviously following quite a few of the the film uh, pages and so on that there's been a lot of images and 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 short sort of uh, capture um, of the film going around for quite some time. So I'm really looking forward to it from that aspect and of course the the, the cast as well. Absolutely, I mean that's a that's a stellar cast, um, and you know yeah. the cast list goes on, kind of beyond <laughs> beyond those that I said. Uh, so yeah, I mean check it out for yourselves, and uh, hopefully it's going to be it's going to be one that's a rollicking ride for us. Uh, so if you are looking for a film to watch with the family on Christmas Day, the BBC are they they generally a pretty reliable 
and this year their big Christmas Day film is the the really quite lovely Mary Poppins Returns, uh, which I I have to confess I've got a lot of time for. Uh, when it was announced, uh, again, you know, the Emily Blunt factor helps because I think she's she's a fantastic fantastic performer, um, and you know really really watchable. But I was a little, I, I don't know, it's the, the whole sort of belated sequel thing made, made me feel a little a little uneasy. But, you know, with, with the exception of one extended sequence that I thought dragged, I just, I was charmed throughout the, the whole runtime for it. And almost got a little bit misty-eyed towards the end with, uh, with one of the cameos, well, with a couple of the cameos, but one in particular... I thought was really really effective, um, and yeah. So if you've not if you've not had the pleasure, I I thoroughly recommend it. And um, the just to say that the song from the soundtrack uh, cover is not the book is has since gone on heavy rotation on my daughter's uh, Spotify playlist, and it's now our in car duet. She does the Lin Manuel Miranda fast talking bit within the song far far better than I can. Um, and yeah, really, really good. Um, is that one you've uh, you've watched with your lads? Uh, Landon wanted to see it, so he and I watched it. He liked it a lot more than I did. I, yeah. I, I have an aversion to to Mary Poppins since I was a child. I don't really know why. <laughs> um, I put it down to. I always found between sort of Boxing Day and New Year there is a bit of melancholy, and for me anyway. Uh, yeah. Is that kind of oh Christmas is gone, you know? Uh, and Mary Poppins always sort of fitted into that, that and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Um, so <laughs> I think with that kind of laid, I was like, okay, I will go and uh, we watch it together. Um, and it was fi- it was okay. It was fine. Yeah. Uh, it didn't you know upset me or offend me in any way, shape, or form. And yeah. I could see what they were doing with it. It just wasn't for me. But my my eldest absolutely loved it um, so much so Perfect. that it was on his list of um, to physical media that he wanted for his birthday. So he got that for, uh, uh, on Blu-ray for his birthday. Ah, oh, brilliant. So what I picked up from that also is that you basically associate Dick Van Dyke with the melancholy of it not being Christmas anymore. <laughs> That's yes. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> which has scarred me for, well, obviously for the last 40 years. I was going to say you've been scarred by Dick, but that's probably not the best way of putting it. No, no. I mean, that's a completely different story for a different yeah. sort of aspect of a, a podcast that we would yeah. do later on. So moving on to uh, Disney Plus, let's maintain the Disney theme because, uh, Disney Plus are actually scoring an absolute cracker this year uh, with with Christmas. Literally, no pun intended, uh, because I mean, in the run up to Christmas, uh, they've had a, a, a proper festive treat. Because I've really, really been enjoying uh, the Hawkeye series. It's been a really, really nice, sort of fun, light, enjoyable, witty time with some you know great great action sequences and yeah I, I genuinely look forward to to the new episodes every wednesday have you been checking out hawkeye as well i have you mentioned with with mostly with the 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 marvel things i've kind of kept them back to binge watch and then yeah. obviously hearing hearing what other people were saying with you know the christmasy vibe and it being new york and so on i yeah. i think that for me 
the few days leading up to Christmas, that will be a couple of evenings where I watch the entire season. I'm in yeah. in the household. There's not many other big Marvel fans, uh, so I think that'll probably be myself and maybe uh, a glass of uh, festive mulled wine uh, to watch that. So yeah, I've I've got that kind of storing up to watch. Yeah, that's I mean that's the perfect way to, to perfect way to watch it uh, with a mulled wine and and just relax and let it wash over you. Um, I've not chanced to watch the uh, the Home Sweet Home Alone as yet um probably Neither not gonna give it a watch yeah the, uh, i've already i've already watched the original home alone this christmas because it's it's wonderful it's a wonderful film um <laughs> i've i've chosen not to sully the memory of that yet <laughs> although that's, that's I, slightly unfair because i've not i've not watched it yet <laughs> so, no yeah. i i've heard mostly the same sort of uh negative uh reaction to it uh, i will watch it um and i'm sure there's going to be enough in there that my my young boys are going to like the action side of it and so on i yeah. think that also it they tie it into the first movie i think there's a couple of returning characters uh as well um which you know will, will be a little bit of fun but yeah. for me you know home alone stopped at, at home alone 2 um and then you know something else took its place so uh <laughs> but yeah i i i will watch it hopefully at some point i've not watched home alone yet this year um no. but i have had the soundtrack uh i've got the a beautiful uh vinyl soundtrack uh of home alone Aww. with the extended score so that has been on when the christmas tree was going up uh and then when we were having a uh i think we were preparing a roast dinner maybe which you know sounds reasonably festive i suppose so yeah so that that's been on a couple of times already and i mean loki one of uh John Williams' finest scores. I think mm-hmm. it's just it's so evocative of the film. You, you, the, the music he, he's got and got that association with not just the film but with Christmas now. Um, and, I, and I know from uh, reading ahead <laughs> that uh, one of our number agrees with uh, with both of us on that one. Uh, but we mm-hmm. will pick that up later with our tracks of the trade. So just also on a Disney Disney Plus front because. Uh, Again, with the series, they've they've been doing a, a, a marvelous job with the with some of the series, uh, particularly the Star Wars ones. Because I was a big fan of uh, the Mandalorian early this year, and off the back of that, we've now got on the twenty ninth of December the uh, the start of the Book of Boba Fett beginnings, yes. which yeah. is looking very very interesting. And Boba Fett's appearances in the Mandalorian were frankly badass <laughs> he uh, is they, uh... they were good that i i i, I want to hold out on on getting excited because sometimes when i get excited about star wars uh i am thrown a curveball that hits me somewhere in the genitalia so yeah. i um <laughs> i but the mandalorian uh, you know, was was wonderful and was a lovely surprise uh so yeah I uh, I am looking forward to it, and I'll watch it probably on the opening day. I would say, but um, yeah, I I I'm not as gun ho about Star Wars as I once was. I wasn't either. Um, I'm not either. I think what's peaking my excitement about the book of Boba Fett is literally the handling of the character through that second season of The Mandalorian, um, seeing Tamara Morrison back, uh, and you know, great great presence in the role 
and his moments were some of the highlights of the series for me and finally seeing you know people for years have been wanting to see the boba fett character kick ass like that um and want him to to be a cooler character than he actually is. as cool a character as he looks and uh, you know the films kind of had that air of mystery and then the series is finally giving him a chance to actually be i guess what we'd all hoped that he would be I think that's that's what I'm looking forward to, and I think the handling of the series is, although I'm not, I'm not massively down on the the sequel trilogy uh, as some people are. Um, I think there were missed opportunities. I still like them. I'm just not as thrilled or excited by the movie side of things anymore. But I think the handling of certainly the Mandalorian and the way uh, Book of Boba Fett looks, I think it's more in keeping with that tone. Uh, so I'm I'm really I'm 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 really hopeful that it's going to turn out it's going to turn I, out pretty good. I hope so too. Like for me, there was an enigma to to Boba Fett, um, and yeah. you know you kind of you would mention Boba Fett to people of of people around our age, and if they yeah. knew who they were, they 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 knew their Star Wars, you know. Um, and I I worry that Boba Fett is going to become. Uh, a merchandise cow um <laughs> and that that will be milked to within an inch of its life and i i worry that that's the way it's going to go um but you know it's a business and i i appreciate that they yeah. they want to get their their pretty pound out of it but Absolutely. um hopefully not at the losing some of that uh enigma of boba fett's yeah. character Absolutely, and you know they've got to, they've got to milk all that blue milk out of the Star Wars franchise that they can. So, well, I wish they hadn't in the second film, but uh, in the but there we go, in the Last Jedi. But there we yeah. go. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed the Last Jedi, but that image uh, does stay with me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> rather strongly than I, I wish it would. Uh, I did not enjoy the Last Jedi, but not because of that. I think there were many other failings with it. But there yeah. we go. That's a, another chat for another time. I th- yeah, I think I think that's a that's a deeper, longer conversation that we could. Uh, <laughs> I think we need all all four of us around for that one. Um, yeah, without a doubt. And then put our flame retardant suits on when we release the episode out into the world, in case <laughs> in case the rest of Star Wars fandom catch wind of it, and then. Uh, God knows yes. what's going to happen to us. Yeah, maybe we maybe we maybe house. we skirt around that one. Maybe that's maybe that's just wise. No, I think we just <laughs> jump in with both feet and and see yeah. where it takes us. <laughs> so staying on the Disney Plus theme, uh, there are there are two animated movies being released uh, in the run up to Christmas. Uh, the first of which I'm going to sing a few praises for because uh, by the time this episode is released into the world it will be out on Disney Plus um, it was originally made under the 20th Century Fox banner or 20th Century Films banner that was brought up by Disney and it's the first uh, animated movie made by a British studio uh, called Locksmith Studios as Ron's Gone Wrong uh, had a, a release into the cinemas a couple of months ago and pretty much died a death uh sadly uh it didn't do anywhere near the business that it could have and maybe should have done i think obviously in these times you've got to have a real a real selling point to get people through the doors and into the cinemas to make things a you know a worthwhile journey and i just don't 
feel like Ron's Gone Wrong had the the marketing push that could have could have done that. It was just a another animated movie that's come out, but because it's owned now by Disney Plus, they are putting it out onto the the Disney Plus service uh, this month, and it's a really really lovely family film. Uh, this is another one that you know Christmas is a time for family, so I'm, I make no apologies for the fact that I'm you know, referring to uh, my my lovely daughter a few times throughout this. But I took her to go and see Ron's Gone Wrong, and we genuinely had a a brilliant time with it. It was a real surprise, and there's there's real there's real humour about it. There's 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 um, there's certainly one sequence in it which took me a little bit by surprise with <laughs> almost how dark it went um, but it was it was very 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 funny um Zach Galifianakis as Ron was adorable uh, really nice voice cast really nice story got a lot to say around that a kind of connection between young people and social media and uh, and and their devices it was quite timely in that regard um and yeah, it's 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 great, and I think, yeah, particularly with um, uh, particularly with the writer, so uh, Sarah Smith, who was one of the the uh, she's worked with Ardman for many years, and Peter Bainham, who me and Craig will be very familiar with with some of his work with the day to day and some of the early Alan Partridge, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and some of his great sort of playwriting. He so they they were the writers for it, and so it's quite insightful, and that they. They really do a good job with that, uh, and Sarah Smith, you know, from her experience with uh, with Ardman, um, is one of the founding lights of Locksmith, and mm-hmm. yeah, they, I believe, have got a different uh, production deal with a different studio now, um, and hopefully, whatever they produce next will be more successful and better supported because there's there's real talent on board there. Um, and I think it's a real shame that that it almost got lost in uh, lost in the ether a little bit um, and and didn't earn the money that maybe it it deserved, uh, but it didn't have the name uh, name recognition potentially. But yeah, I, I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it. The uh, my my only dealing I've I've not seen it myself. The only dealings I had is my youngest son took his um, he every year my boys get a, a sort of a a card for the cinema so they they can go they can take a friend to the cinema and he took a friend to the cinema to see it um, and my my wife obviously went with them um, and they all came out absolutely loving it. Um, thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it and my my youngest wants to see it again so he'll be pleased to know that it's available on disney plus so um yeah he thoroughly thoroughly and i'm looking forward to watching it as a family as well so yeah and i mean i yeah i i thoroughly thoroughly recommend it Uh, i have to say disney plus are for the their two animated family films nailing it this year because i i thoroughly recommend ron's gone wrong but i can also hearty hearty recommend their christmas eve release uh it's been a quite quick turnaround considering it's only been in the cinema since the 24th of november so it's literally a month's turnaround um but encanto uh, the new disney animation studios release is coming out on disney plus on christmas eve literally just in time and i think two films that are worth 
your time as a family to watch over Christmas. I think they're both they're both perfect. I've really enjoyed Encanto. Uh, I, I've said for a long time that I think the streak Disney have been on since probably probably tangled um mm-hmm. the, the 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 streak of movies that they are they have made in that time are as strong as that golden era era period of the the early to mid 90s uh-huh. where you'd Starting where you'd with got little mermaid the, yeah so you little mermaid beauty and the beast aladdin lion king hunchback of notre dame was was a really strong patch mm. but then when you consider you go through and a tangled wreck it ralph frozen uh zootropolis Raya and the last dragon encanto and that yeah there are other there are obviously the, the wreck it ralph and frozen sequels in between that, that maybe aren't as strong uh, but they're still they're still quality movies and i think encanto really really keeps that hot streak going um I, I had a lot of fun with it again a few really great uh amusing moments and the vibrancy of it I, and uh lin Manuel Miranda again the uh, he's everywhere <laughs> he's ubiquitous <laughs> uh but his music again it's uh you know after after the work he did on Moana again how did I forget Moana in that art streak because that's that's <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, of course. That is that is right, right up there. I mean, his work that he did on Moana, it's it's as it's as good and it's as vibrant and it's as um, you know vocally, verbally uh, as as intricate as some of the work that he's he's done on some of his other work. And it's it's great. It's it's just a really good, fun time um, and a great great family movie. Uh, really sort of colourful and, and bright and suitable for all ages uh, some some good good levels and depths on the joke so I, I think between between those two films they are probably my, my big movie recommendations for people to check out over, over Christmas particularly because they're the new ones they're the ones I've seen uh, but yeah I would uh, I would heartily recommend both really really enjoyed them yeah I'm really looking forward to Encanto I uh for whatever reason have not really got an opportunity to get to the cinema to see that uh, mostly because there's been lots of other things uh, um, and trying to get the family there so yeah hopefully that'll be a a Christmas viewing Um, maybe not Christmas Day we'll have to wait and see Uh, but yeah definitely in that to to ease that melancholy that no longer happens really after Boxing Day for me um, thankfully so yeah so there we go and so finally on the, the last of the streaming services and the big releases there's one that I've seen and one that I haven't seen. Uh, we're moving over to Now TV. I'm going to quickly touch on the one that I haven't seen first. Uh, but if you have small people, uh, then uh, Peter Rabbit 2 is their, uh, is their Christmas Day premiere. Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of the first Peter Rabbit. Uh, but I will give massive, massive credit to... Uh, Donald Gleeson and Rose Byrne, who I thought were were fantastic in it, actually, um, mm-hmm. that made absolutely made it watchable. Um, I could have I could have had more of more of the film of them and less of the the talking animals. Uh, I'm aware that the reviews for Peter Rabbit two were stronger. I'm also aware that James Corden is a divisive 
<laughs> a divisive individual. Um, and but if you've got small people that uh, want to see uh, silly small furry animals doing things, and what I <laughs> what I'm going to assume is probably again some really really gifted physical comedy from Donald Gleeson, um, who I'm I'm a real really big fan of. I think he's uh, I think he always turns up. He's always great. Um, so now um, I have seen yeah. Peter Rabbit too. How did you find I, it? I I thoroughly enjoyed it much much more than the first one. Um, right. There, they gave a little bit more time to um, the building a little bit more character. It was there was a little bit more warmth, a little bit more heart than there, I thought. There was quite a, a nasty undertone to some of the characters in the first one. Yeah, um, which is kind of played on in the second one and that those characters almost get their comeuppance a little bit or are made to answer for some of the things that they would do, which I think is a reaction to, to what like the press had said. Um, but yeah, the, the physical comedy of the, uh, the live action is, is very funny. It's essentially sort of a heist movie, which, which is, is great. And there are a couple of other, for those that like Beatrix Potter characters, they do explore some of the other characters and, and some of them aren't as nice as others uh, and play mm. baddies and so on. And there are turns and twists and it, it, it's much more fun than the first one, in in my mm. opinion. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, but the, the, the funny, you know, one-liners from the characters in the first one, they get an equally funny one-liner in the second one as well. So um, they, the the good bits from the first one are, are brought back, uh, but they've they've smoothed out some of the the sort of negativity or the the mean spiritedness. That's that's really good to hear, and I think that's that might be one that I will try and check out then on your recommendation. And so the Boxing Day premiere, and uh, this is one that I I'm gonna I'm gonna say is one of my surprises of the year, and I'm gonna give it a little bit of love. Um, because those of you that know me and those of you that have listened to the podcast before know that I have a complicated relationship with the DC Extended Universe, uh, their cinematic universe, um, that there are films within that series that I quite enjoy. There are films that I enjoy quite considerably less. Um, But... Uh, yeah, so the Suicide Squad, um, which has been defined by the addition of the word the at the beginning, which is a, a sort of a weird kind of hybrid sequel reboot of uh, of Suicide Squad, which I'll hand on heart say is my least favourite DC film of the lot. And having James Gunn brought aboard and his his sensibilities and you know what he did with uh, particularly the first guardians of the galaxy film um and and just that that fun and that silliness and that craziness that that he instilled in that he's done it again with uh with suicide squad because what he, he managed to do with guardians was he took things that that you can see or you could say objectively on paper are a bit silly or a bit out there, or a bit ridiculous. A talking raccoon with a gun fetish, and a sentient tree who only uses three words, and yet manages to draw emotion and pathos out of these characters. And so he's he's essentially done the, the same with a, a kind of a larger, wackier, 
Stranger canvas. I have to say, I had an absolute blast with it. Uh, it's not high art, but it is a lot of fun. Um, it, it, it earns every single part of that fifteen rating in terms of in terms of the violence. The violence is is really quite graphic, but it's. It, um, I think me, me and Kev were talking about this. That part of the reason that it's. Uh, that it didn't get an 18 certificate and it was very, very close to getting an 18 certificate. So this one is definitely not a family a family watch. This is definitely one for the grown-ups. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was the fact that a lot of it was played with a lot of humour in mind um, without that sort of the, the weight behind it. Um, so that's that's why it, it, it's come out with a lower a lower rating. But I, again, I just had so much fun with it. Um some really really funny bits um yeah great cast i think it's the best the best iteration of harley quinn uh by margot robbie i i think she's she is genuinely great in this one uh she was the best thing about the first suicide squad but grated on me a little bit i sort of liked birds of prey and there was a lot of qualities to it but i just didn't warm to the harley character in that in this one there's a lot more heart and a lot more humour and she gets some absolute standout sequences as well. Um, Joel Kinnaman, who plays Rick Flagg, um, and again, he's he's one of the, the few to come back from the first film, was so much better. And again, real, real weight to it. Um, Idris Elba is as charming and as Idris Elba as ever. Um, Viola Davis is absolute, absolute masterclass in this. She is, uh, she's always brilliant, but she is clearly elevating the material. Uh, she elevated it in the first film, but she is, yeah, she's she's great in this one. Sylvester Stallone gives great sort of goofy fun as King Shark. Uh, John Cena is a lot of fun as Peacemaker. So yeah, I mean, two two of the the lesser known main members of of the, the squad. Uh, so Daniela Melchior, who plays Ratcatcher two, she's she is just so lovely, and uh, it's almost like the, the the sweet glue that kind of holds the group together. David Dasmalchian, that's I think how you pronounce it, who plays Polka Dot Man. The idea, I think, when they announced that that Polka Dot Man was going to be one of the characters in it, the idea that there is a character who throws out destructive polka dots, it it's that wheelhouse of ridiculousness that James Gunn kind of sits in and manages to make work, because you fall in love with a character, he actually makes the the power cool, um, but also has some really really great. Uh, comic moments in there and uh, some actual not massively you know developed backstory but enough just to just to really make the character land so if you go in with that sort of goofy going in for a, a bit of ridiculous violent fun with its tongue firmly in cheek but with a bit of heart to it as well it's a it's so much fun and it's it was one of my surprises of the year uh, most definitely, uh, I I highly recommend it. It's not one you've seen yet, is it? 
No, no, I've not. Um, and that's not because of uh, the first one, really. It's It just kind of uh, fell off my radar. It wasn't particularly playing for very long over here. Um, yeah. And um, But I, I didn't have such a problem with the Suicide Squad. Uh, mm. Or the original, sorry, Suicide Squad, the original one. Um, there were obviously lots and lots of issues with it, uh, but I think that um, the DC universe, other than you know Batman, um, had had fallen way below my my expectations. Uh, so I I'm looking forward to seeing this. I am a lot. Um, James Gunn it, it was great with the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I wasn't so taken with the second one, so I, I hope that it falls closer to the f the first Guardians. Uh, but no, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I I would say it's. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the second Guardians of the Galaxy film. I think there are some great qualities about it. I think there's some really good stuff in it, but um, there there are elements of it that just don't quite work for it. But he he melds the elements a lot stronger and a lot better in. In the Suicide Squad, so so yeah, so that's that's launching on Now TV on Boxing Day. Uh, so yeah, I genuinely recommend it. Uh, it's not it's it's not a Christmas film. I don't know if it will make you feel Christmassy, but it's a lot of fun. Good. Well, I I, I like those sort of films, so that's good. So you like the sort of films that make you feel Christmassy that aren't actually Christmas films. Yes. It's almost like we planned this segue and didn't just... Which completely... is unusual for us, because yeah. there's very little planning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, one of the things we, we just wanted to talk on about and touch on, and it's something that, you know, when uh, when we launch this on social media, um, that you can weigh in as well. Um, we're going to ask the question, what are the films that are not technically Christmas films that make you feel Christmassy? And uh, yeah, so me and Craig have sort of put our heads together and we'll come up with a bit of a list. There are some that have actually uh, kind of clashed and, uh, and and overlapped, so we'll we'll come to those together. Uh, but Craig, give us give us some of the examples of of some of the films that make you feel Christmassy that aren't actually Christmas films. Well, my first choice doesn't necessarily evoke feelings of you know. Uh, Yuletide greetings, but it's Reservoir Dogs. Um, the it's it's because of the association. I have a big association with physical media, um, yeah. and I received uh, the VHS box set, which was the Mister Blond box set, uh, which was a, a, a thing of absolute beauty. Um, and so it got the VHS box, and then there were cufflinks, and there was a, a flick comb, and there was lots of other kind of um, bits and pieces, hair gel, which for any of you that know me, is I have not needed for quite some time. But um, <laughs> but it, it was given to me as a Christmas gift, and whenever I see Reservoir Dogs, and which is my favourite Tarantino film, um, it's I, I always have that... It links to Christmas. Um, it doesn't make me feel Christmassy, um, and obviously the, the themes of the film aren't particularly Christmassy. Um, but no. well, unless you, you're talking about the greed element, but who knows? Um, but it's it, that that's one thing that's that's always kind of um, stuck with me. And then that also moves on to another film that doesn't particularly make me feel Christmassy, and it's not even a film that I particularly enjoy very much. Uh, but it's Gladiator. 
uh, and mm. that was given to me as a box set as well um at that time um the that that format of box set uh, when you got the video and then sometimes the score or sometimes the uh, the novel or the script um it came in a, a beautiful box so i remember watching that on boxing day um one day after being given it as a christmas gift so those two non-christmasy that those would be my first two and then i've got a couple of others as well but what about your what are your first couple so my first couple i kind of link in with that but slightly more on a family a, a family orientated film route is uh the, the the original star wars trilogy i know we've, we've touched on it originally and it's a film it's a it's a trilogy actually that in terms of their, their kind of impact on on all of us we've sort of treaded quite lightly around uh in the last in the last sort of 18 months since the podcast launched but you know the the original three star wars films are so formative for 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 kind of all of us uh in some way shape or form um but so so my association again it's it's that physical media thing uh that they you couldn't get the star wars films on video for a very very long time and it was a bit of an event when the vhs's were released and they were the, the proper sort of widescreen versions uh they'd remastered them as as best they could on onto video and uh yeah they the these great sort of reversible sleeves on the boxes and i'd i'd wanted them for christmas because i wanted to see all of the star wars films again and uh i got there on christmas day and three vhs shaped boxes and i was thinking oh this is it this is the moment so i opened the first one and it was a new hope and i was happy i opened the second one it was empire strikes back I was even happier because that's my favourite. And I went to the third one, expecting it to be Return of the Jedi. Opened it up and it was, I think it was something like a, a Manchester United review of the season uh, VHS. Uh, I'm a Man United fan. It's it, it's a thing. <coughs> so, um, um, we ha used to have a tradition in my family uh, <coughs> on Christmas Day that myself and my two brothers and my old sister... Uh, my parents would save us a table present for on the day so it you know extends christmas out so one of our presents we they'd save back that we could have on the table and then between one of the courses we get to open it and they brought the table presents out and my mum laid this box in front of me and it was distinctly vhs shaped so i'm thinking i know what that is and so <laughs> tore the paper off and uh it was the uh, it was Return of the Jedi, and it had that beautiful sort of red cover that, um, uh, if you've seen some of the original uh, artwork, some of the original posters. So back when uh, Return of the Jedi was originally known as Revenge of the Jedi, and you have uh, the large sort of Darth Vader helmet with uh, Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker um, lightsaber fighting at the bottom and the rest of the rest of it is all red it was it was that cover and it just looked so nice uh yeah beautiful and so and they they became you know they're a great family film um a great staple of christmas to to watch as well for for a long time um uh, but yeah that's that's one of my favorite sort of christmasy associations because of because of the gift um but um uh, 
so I want to move on to another one that's that's it's regarded as one of the the greatest Christmas films of all time. But technically, apart from apart from the climax only really taking place at Christmas, it's it doesn't. It's not really a. Uh, it's a Christmas film, but it's not a film about Christmas. Uh, so that's Frank Capra's "It's a Wonderful Life," because uh, I know that's one you wanted to talk about as well, Craig. Oh, without a doubt, the. Um... I when I was younger my all of my cinema going experiences apart from Ghostbusters and City Slickers um were with my uncle Keith and yeah. uncle Keith introduced me to a wonderful world of cinema and he took me to a Christmas double bill um at a a, a beautiful old cinema that had just been restored and it was and I remember him being a little apprehensive of taking me to see It's a Wonderful Life um, and we watched that and I was blown away by it I just the the warmth and the heart and the, the, the nature the whole nature of the film and then realising that I'd seen it in other films you know in Gremlins they took the um, there is a, a scene where it's showing and it, uh, not just Gremlins it, it's mentioned a, a lot of times in in other movies and mm. it was it was wonderful the second film that I went to see was A Christmas Story which yeah. it appears to be much more of a cult classic in America more so than over here but I would recommend A mm-hmm. Christmas Story to anybody also if you haven't seen that um, but it was the, my first ever cinema double bill um, and it was the first time seeing It's a Wonderful Life and I don't think I had the emotional wherewithal to be kind of be, you know, sad by it because of the the warmth. But definitely, as an adult now, it it catches me every single time, um, yeah. and it's one that my wife and I would try and watch most most years. But you're right, even though it's it, it's now become a Christmas movie, um, it's uh, it's it's just the warmth and I suppose the Christmas message, you know, of um, you know doing right uh, and and being the best person that you can be for the people around you um so yeah i i, I absolutely it's got such a, a a large part of my heart so yeah yeah i to my eternal shame watched it's a wonderful life for the first time yesterday for some reason it just i'd never got around to it it passed me by and i always intended to watch it and this year i said no I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch it. And granted, it is, it is regarded as a Christmas classic. So this is a, yeah, we're 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 using our back door. We're we're, we're kind of <laughs> we're, we're we're slipping this one in, you know, sneakily because it is blatantly. There's so much Christmas spirit about it, um, and it was just an excuse to talk about it, particularly you know from Craig's experience and 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 me now having the the opportunity to watch it for the first time and. It's a Wonderful Life has permeated popular culture. That it's you know in the God how many it's uh, seventy five years since it was released. Um, it's just it's become there, there was nothing in the film that surprised me because as Craig said it's 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 used and it's referenced in other films. You see clips of it. Uh, you know, Gremlins, Home Alone. Uh, there's a bit where they're in Paris and they're watching a French version of It's a Wonderful Life, <laughs> um, and you know it's it's been 
uh, it's been pastiched as well. That the you know the, the the running through Bedford Falls at the end, um, but it, all of that familiarity didn't take away from the impact of it. Uh, and even seventy five years on, and this is what is really really remarkable about this film, um, and th- th- it still resonates today. It's still relevant today that that theme that even when you can't see it yourself and this is you know um i got quite confession in the last episode i'm gonna do it again there are times where you can't see the good in yourself and you can't see the impact that you have on other people's lives and you lose sight of that and life may not go the way that you intended it to go you it may not be the existence that you had planned out in your head but you don't realise the impact that you are having on other people and how much of a difference, you know, you not being there, you know, in the case of George Bailey in the film, you know, without him there, he his brother doesn't survive. It really drives at home and that's and it's such a beautiful moment that, that, that you see that unfolding and you it really takes you down with him and James Stewart is um it's got me wanting to seek out more James Stewart films now um mm-hmm. that I need to I need to fill in my fill in my back catalog because he he's just I mean he's just so good he was proper old school hollywood star um gentleman and, a proper yeah, gentleman in it proper gentleman and that's and that's one of the the, the great another one of the great things about the film is he is so real in it. There's you get from from films from the nineteen forties, the nineteen fifties. They're not as naturalistic as you would find the, the emotion today. But he he finds that realism in it, and he George Bailey is a lovely man, and he is a thoughtful man. He's a kind man, but he is just as prone to anger and petulance and making bad decisions or doing things selflessly uh, without thinking about things and how he how he sells that whole performance and it, even when he is at his at his lowest and at his um you know his most almost aggressive at points you your heart goes out to him and that's yeah it's um, you you can see why, why they, 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 you know, they refer to Tom Hanks as kind of the modern day Jimmy Stewart. He's mm-hmm. the, the, there's that there's that real. They both carry that warmth, but that there's that fallibility about them both. Um, and yeah, I, I it was absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Um, and like I say, nothing surprised me. I I pretty much knew what was going to happen with the film, but the journey to get to that point was so worthwhile and i'm 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 really glad that i i finally got that got that one into my into my canon now it's um yeah it was a massive oversight and i don't know how or why it's taken me so long and i've remedied that now um so i need to find the next one on my in my canon to uh <laughs> um to tick off the list so so yeah um so that's yes that made me feel very very christmasy um <laughs> and um 
Uh, but in terms of in terms of those other films, there's one that we we talked just before the 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 podcast started recording that um, we both agree on because they're not necessarily Christmas films, and they weren't even released anywhere near Christmas, I, as far as I remember. Um, but the Paddington films, they are the perfect encapsulation of that that spirit. I feel they've become classics in their own right, just in the time that they've been released. But um, I think it shows that you know, the BBC are showing them both this Christmas um, and continue to most Christmases. But it's, I know they're definitely uh, they're both the favourites of yours. Oh, with, without a doubt, the they're just I have a when they came out the um, my my eldest son I took to see Paddington one and I worried about the length of the film and that would he be okay with it and he just latched on to that film the entire way through so I, I watched him watching this film while I was watching the film and it's it, it's it's absolutely just the heart and the warmth and the fact it doesn't skirt around that, that there are bad people in the world it's not it's not a perfect world there are bad people but the good far outweighs and that and the good is inside almost everybody um the christmas message in it as well i think the second one came out in november as as i remember so yeah you know possibly in the lead up to to christmas and i think it's one of those films where the sequel is is equal and possibly even surpasses the first um and in no small part to to hugh grant i was uh, gonna say exactly the same thing yeah absolutely it's i i i will never tire of watching the films um at Mm. all um and not the fact then they're not children's films they are incredibly wonderfully warm-hearted films for for anybody to watch at any time of the year um and it has an ability to to lift me up if I, you know, if I'm perhaps maybe not feeling uh, my strongest or my, you know, uh, my most resilient. I would watch those, and they they they're just just incredible. Um, they, so, and I'm sure really most people have seen them by now. But yeah, I would I would heartily recommend them. One thing, there's a couple of things I want to pick up from what you've you said there. Um, Firstly, what you said that whether they're not being children children's films, uh, you're absolutely right, and I think I think there, there's almost this little bit of a misnomer when um, when you have a film like that and you call it a family film that you're you're saying it's geared towards children or it's geared towards um, parents and children. I think a, a good a great family film is the sort of film that anybody can sit down to. You don't necessarily have to have kids with you. It just has to be able to appeal to that broad spectrum of everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And Paddington, absolutely. Paddington and Paddington absolutely nail that. Children's films, you you would you would say something like the Paw Patrol movie, you know, which I, I've I've heard positive things about. I'm I'm not I'm not bagging on the Paw Patrol movie. Mm-hmm. But but a a family film, a good family film, will be able to bring everybody into it, and that's that's the strength of of Paddington. I think I, I think they are very very funny. I think they're they're so warm, and you're you're right about that um, that message and that heart. I think Ben Whishaw is 
is so so good in the role of uh, of Paddington. How different it could have been if Colin Firth had have stayed in in the role. Um, mm-hmm. But I I think I think his his innocence and his delivery and he's just got that that wonderful manner about him um, that is just so so great for the role. I think uh, I think the family are great. Uh, yeah, Sally Hawkins is just she's just great in everything. Um, and Hugh Bonnefield's great, and the kids are great, and Jimmy Waltz is great, and like you say with Hugh Grant, he is clearly <laughs> having the time of his absolute life in that film, um, and in it, in it, it really, really tracks it. You really feel it, and and the first film, again, because uh, there are, there are things that, that you know the kind of the reintroduction of the Simon Farnaby character. Um, the security guard in the second film was was still amusing, but in the first film, it was just so perfectly played. It was nice to see him come back, but that's you know. So both films have the strengths, and both films, I think, I think as a pair, yeah, I think they're they're as as good a family film as 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 anything out there, um, and perfect perfect for Christmas. And if you've not seen them for a while, or you you feel like you you need to give them a revisit i feel like i need to give the first paddington a revisit because i've seen the second one quite a lot recently i've not watched the first for a long time i feel i feel like that might be one to to revisit over christmas oh without a doubt yeah yeah give give that a fair crack of the whip now i said earlier i'm not a big fan of musicals i i i do like them there there are some that I, i i have a a lot of time for one of one which is which is my favourite, actually reminds me of Christmas, which is Singing in the Rain. And that is definitely one of my non-Christmas films that I just associate with Christmas. This is one that actually came to me, I say later in life, it's it probably my, um, I'd say probably my late 20s. Uh, I remember the, that would, would have been the first time that I'd seen it. And um, myself and my sister went for a Christmas visit to... Uh, my grandmother's and she lived quite a long way away from where we are and so it was a, a full day thing to go down and see her and she spotted that singing in the rain was on the telly she said oh I, I quite fancy watching that so we stuck that on in the background and and the conversation didn't last very long because we all got really drawn into it i've spoken at length about singing in the rain in um so when we did the lockdown film festival back in 2020 uh well, I say wait, it was just me at that time. Um, but that was my that was my musical choice. Um, so I've waxed lyrical about it quite a lot on the podcast. But whenever I see it, it tends to be on at Christmas. Uh, it tends to be um, the perfect sort of film to watch at Christmas when everybody is a bit full um, of, of, you know, two-day-old warm-up or chocolate and you just need something to that that's got that lovely sort of warm hollywood vibe about it um and that's so entertaining um and 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 so easy to watch as well so yeah that's that's absolutely one of my it's it's probably it's my favorite musical and it's definitely one that i i associate with uh with the festive season i've never seen singing in the rain it's brilliant and now this i think it will surprise you do you know the story of singing in the rain 
Yeah, 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 I do. It's yeah, just, so, I... yeah, it's um, it it's just such a such a great film, and Gene Kelly is so charismatic in it. All of the three lead performers are so charismatic in it. Production values are great. The uh, some of the the comedy is great, and it's 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 a great it's such a lovely story as well. Being a child of the sort of late 70s, early 80s, I I thought that I had seen Singing in the Rain because I'd seen all of the comedy parodies of it that, yeah. that went into Christmas specials, you know, the, the Morecambe and Wise and, and, you know, the... I, I most I remember most of the double acts, you know, comedy double acts would have had something in and around that or along that, and I was like, well, that that's what Singing in the Rain was, you know, that that was yeah. it was a an English comedy skit, um, and it wasn't until I was a, a, a good bit older that I realised that wasn't the case and so on, yeah. and then I've just never kind of got around to it. I'm not a big fan of musicals either, um, so and I. I don't know what I would say would my favourite would be. That might be a, a, a chat for further uh, episodes. But, yeah, so it's, it's definitely one that I will definitely need to try and watch. So. What I will say is, start watching it. Get as far as the Make Em Laugh sequence, which is, I think, as good as the... The, the, classic, singing in the, the classic singing in the rain bit is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. Um, but the Make Em Laugh sequence is... Uh, Again, I've I've spoken of this before. Is just so good. It's brilliant physical comedy, practical physical comedy. How done in a way that old Hollywood used to do. Uh, and yeah, if you're not sold by that point, then <laughs> I, d- I don't know what to tell you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, but, yeah, I'm sure great. I will. I'm sure I will love it. I'm, I yeah. love the old Hollywood feel to movies and stuff. Uh, so yeah. I've, I'll definitely give it a go. So, I mean, it's it's scratching the surface of the number of wonderful films that that we associate with Christmas and around that time. But yeah, if you've got any that you like that aren't necessarily Christmas films that remind you of the festive season, whether that be for a gift or whether it be for something that you've watched at the time, maybe you associate uh, such as the Harry Potter films or the Lord of the Rings films with Christmas because of their their release schedule and again that sort of family vibe. Uh, sound off on our social media, on our Instagram or on our uh, Twitter, and uh, yeah, let us know. Let us know what you think and if there are uh, if you have an agreement with the ones that we've come up with and any others that you think you would like uh, like to tell us more about. Just before we leave that section, our brilliant friend Kev has offered us up a couple of examples of his own. Uh, so we're going to slide these in at the end just before we move on to Tracks of the Trade. So Kev said that he, he thinks that the frequency in which Back to the Future was on TV following Christmas dinner always sort of embedded that in sort of it's a non-Christmas, Christmas-tinged movie for him. Uh, he doesn't seem to watch it at Christmas anymore because... Uh, you know, there's a massive list of uh, Christmas essentials that seem to have kind of dry, dried it up and uh, and trumped it. But um, Flight of the Navigator is another one. You know, 1986 is has got that kind of feel for him about it. Um, they also he's also and I, I agree with him on this one. They've got the but that feel of the kind of hot summers as well. Uh, so yeah, they they're just classic films all all year round. 
especially with, with Flight of the Navigator, there's that warmth in that as well. The, yeah, you definitely. Know, the, the, the real coziness, even though it is, for me, it would be a summer movie. You know, the the flight's over, you know, when he's in the, the, the ship and so on. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely got that warm, cozy glow of a film that, that you know, that fits well at Christmas. Fantastic shouts. He's uh, he's hit the nail on the head. And, and Back to the Future again is it's that kind of tone of film. It's those ones that that have been on TV around Christmas that you go, oh my god, they're showing Back to the Future at Christmas. They're showing Young Sherlock Holmes at Christmas. They're showing Goonies at Christmas. They were the things that you would there would be kind of appointment viewing at that time. Uh, and I I really miss. I love the, the the ability to access all of this all of these films. Um, all of these Christmas classics, uh, and the you know the classic family films, but there was something wonderful about circling the film in the uh, in the Radio Times or the TV Times, and you know having that appointment view and setting the video up to record it so you could watch it all year round. Um, yeah, absolute absolutely great days. Uh, Kev's also wanted to give a shout out for a, a lesser known film, uh, Sean Baker's 2015 Tangerine. Uh, some of you may know it as the film com- filmed completely on an iPhone, uh, which is mostly true. But as Kev says, uh, a few concessions on fancy lenses and camera trickery. But it takes place on Christmas Eve and is probably the most non-Christmassy Christmas movie he's seen recently. Uh, it's well worth checking out uh, any time of the year. But strangely... He feels it might be more appropriate uh, during this festive season. So if you can track down the 2015 movie Tangerine, Kev is highly recommending that as a recommendation. Thank you, Kev. And we will hear from Kev again in a couple of minutes because it's time to come to our Tracks of the Trade playlist. Now, in the intervening period, uh, what we've done is we've slightly paused the the pitch battles uh, for the time being. Uh, they may make a comeback in the near future, but we have uh, retained and expanded the Tracks of the Trade section. So the Tracks of the Trade uh, is our rapidly grow- uh, growing uh, Spotify playlist of movie score music. But we kind of came to the realisation that uh, there's great pieces of music, they are great songs in films that aren't getting picked up because that was that was the whole mo of the tracks of the trade playlist is we didn't necessarily want to go with the obvious songs but we wanted to go with pieces of score but now we've grown our playlist we are now going to grow the tracks of the trade section to include songs as well so we're creating a second playlist so we're doing a little bit of smart rebranding tracks of the trade will still exist but it's going to be split down the middle so that rapidly expanding uh, high, uh, playlist of movie score music is now, from this point on, going to be known as High Score. And for those songs that we add to our Tracks of the Trade playlist, they will be on our brand new Needle Drops playlist. So they will both be uploaded and shareable uh, for you to basically follow and pick up the tracks month on month as we add them. Um, and hopefully... In the future, you can give your own suggestions for songs that you want to see. Maybe lesser known ones than than the obvious, um, but get them added to the Needle Drops playlist. And we're always on the lookout for other pieces of music. Beautiful, uh, rousing, entertaining, emotive pieces for the high score section. So, what we're going to do very 
from the very very top is we are going to add our very first tracks to our needle drops playlist craig i'm going to give you the auspicious <laughs> the auspicious pleasure the honor of adding our first track to the needle drops playlist and have you gone festive uh, I've gone festive and then linked to a non-festive film that has been mentioned in this festive podcast, if that makes Excellent. sense. Yes, it does. So, oh, good. Well, um, so <laughs> I've gone for uh, what? I, well, for the, the the song that I thought was called "Run, Run, Rudolph" by Chuck Berry, um, yep. which I found out today uh, is con called "Run, Rudolph, Run," um, but it's from Home Alone, um, and Brilliant. it's when they are. Um, they're chasing through the uh, the airport, and I I absolutely I love Chuck Berry. I was introduced to Chuck Berry at a very young age by my dad, um, and that kind of rhythm and blues sort of guitar. Um, so yeah, so that would be my first one uh, for the festive, and then the second one would be another is a Chuck Berry song, um, but it's Johnny Be Good from Back to the Future, which was a, a course mentioned uh by kev uh as well as one of those films that kind of shows around the festive season johnny be good has got to be one of my favorite songs of all time and then it's done by marty mcfly who's one of my favorite movie characters of all time in my favorite trilogy of all time so you know that's a no-brainer uh, and that's the way that my my brain went through picking two songs to to be put onto needle drops Excellent. Yeah, so we're adding five songs initially to Needle Drops to get it started, give it a bit of bulk, give it a bit of bulk. So I'm going to chuck in Kev's uh, contribution, and he has picked an absolute classic. Um, and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to chime in on this one. So Kev has gone for "Put a Little Love in Your Heart" by Annie Lennox and Al Green because nothing says Christmas to Kev. Like the festive classic 1988's Rich Donner directed Bill Murray vehicle, Scrooged. I'm just going to pause Yay. there to say we we love Scrooged, and uh, as I said last year, I have a I have a yearly tradition where I on Christmas Eve post the Christmas miracle speech on my Facebook page because everybody needs reminding every year. It's it's what we need. Uh, so. Uh, Kev says he always listens to this at this time of year. It's the overly sentimental finale of the film itself, but the track has taken on meaning of its own for me this time of year. It's track one and the highlight of the soundtrack for the uh, for the film that was released at the time, which had absolutely none of the Danny Elfman score, uh, but a few of the ropey excuses for Christmas music. Uh, he's managed to track down a vinyl single release of this a few years back, and it has become a tradition of his to play it while he sips his Baileys, lights a Christmas fragrance, Yankee candle, and prepares to put out his sack for Santa. Fantastic. That is a great, great choice, Kev. Brilliant, brilliant choice. Um, I have gone festive as well, um, and I have gone for uh, Baby It's Cold Outside from Elf by the lovely Zoe Deschanel and Leon Redbone, because... I, I've got to get something from Elf in here. I've got to give Elf a mention because it is... It's one of my Christmas classics, one of my Christmas favourites. Um, yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it uh, as, as a film. Um, and that version of it is really, really lovely. And my second choice is I'm going modern because we've got a lot of classics on here. And again, picking up the theme of the episode, I have picked something 
from The Suicide Squad soundtrack, and I've gone with the track Rain, uh, which was heavily used in the trailers for the film. Uh, it's by Grandson and Jesse Reyes, and it's, uh, to use the, the youngins phrase, it's a proper banger. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I, I, I picked up on this through the trailer, um, searched out what the song was, and yeah, it's it, it's a really, really great track. Um, and it just gives us an extra little flavour on the uh, the Needle Drops playlist. So, Craig, we're going with our high score tracks now. Have you gone Christmas themed with these? I have indeed. I, Brilliant. I, I wanted to go Christmas themed the whole way through, to be honest. Excellent. Uh, so I have gone from, uh, for something from It's a Wonderful Life. Um, Dimitri Tomkin, uh, The Richest Man in the World, the, to be honest, I could have picked any other tracks that were on there because they're so emotive and, you know, they they use so well in the film as, you know, in the 40s and 50s, you know, school was a real art form uh, and that was really explored in the films. So, yeah, the richest man in the world from uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Perfect, perfect. I'm going to weigh in with mine because we've already had a mention of uh, Mr. Danny Alfman um, and this is one that is not Christmassy, but uh, my association with this film is Christmassy. I'm going to pick this one up as well because um, I, I first watched Midnight Run uh, at Christmas. It was randomly on one evening and I just carried on watching it and I was hooked. Uh, absolutely loved it. And it's it's just, it's, uh, it's an absolute buddy comedy classic. So I have gone for the main title's track from midnight run um i actually intended to put this on our next uh tracks of the trade high school playlist uh from way back when in may uh because early this year we lost the brilliant brilliant charles grodin who um as as jonathan mardukas in the film is just he's so good he's so good and if you've not had a chance to watch midnight run it's a firm favorite of everybody here at msmr so please, please, if you get a chance, check out Midnight Run and the yeah the the main title track. It's it's some great eighties uh, rousing uh, rousing theme music, brilliant stuff. Uh, Kev has offered his track of the trade as well. Uh, so for the high score playlist, he has said uh, that he has gone for and. Craig's slightly cursing him on this one because he was going to pick this one out as well. Uh, he's gone for Setting the Trap by John Williams from the Home Alone soundtrack. So we've gone double Home Alone because Home Alone, it's basically Die Hard for Kids. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so Kev says, uh, this is the cue that plays as the church bell rings indicating that the time is approaching for the assault on the McAllister house. Kevin only has a short time to fortify and prepare. And it follows a lovely sentimental scene, uh, that brilliant scene in the church uh, between Kevin and the neighbour, um, and kicks the film into high gear for the final act while still retaining the festive uh, feel with a twist on Carol of the Bells. Kevin's mission is clear and the music beautifully illustrates the importance of the moment. Uh, it's a festive composition with an action twist. And... Yeah, it's it's great. It's it's such such a great John Williams score. Uh, John Williams is, you know, he's the man that scored. I think all of our childhoods. Uh, it's a brilliant piece of music, and it's yeah, it's. It, 
I don't would would you regard it as an underrated one of his scores? I kind of would because it's not often talked out talked of it in kind of the same regard as as say the the Indiana Jones or Jaws yeah. or Star Wars or Superman. It's, but it's 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 just as evocative. I think it's such a great score. Yeah, I think more so as as time has gone on, as we've moved away from the film being out. And now yeah. I don't know if this is to do with me being an adult and more appreciative of it. But I remember, you know, when Indiana Jones came out and when Star Wars came out, the, the scores were available. I don't remember that being the way with Home Alone. And I don't think as much emphasis was put on it. But I would say it's probably my favourite John Williams score um, from... And, and I love... You know, I love Star Wars uh, and I have yeah. all of the soundtracks and I, I love Indiana Jones. So rousing. Jurassic Park uh, makes me cry every time I, I hear it. Uh, and E.T. is is one of the, you know, soundtracks of, of my childhood. Uh, but Home Alone is is probably the most played by me, to be honest, uh, from start to finish. Mm. I think it's it's absolutely joyous. And I think if you listen to parts of harry potter as well there are there are moments that have been sort of and you can argue that john williams kind of recycles certain aspects or themes um but yeah you can definitely pick up on that in the in the harry potter series with with the first one especially i think you get that with a lot of composers that a lot of them have a feel or a tone or there are things yeah. that, that things that they they reuse or they or they repurpose or, or it's just that that feeling that sound that they create I, I think a lot of a lot of composers do that and i think when you look at the output of, of john williams it, it was inevitable it's going to happen um but yeah i i yeah it, it's really no it's really no exaggeration to say that man literally scored our childhoods yeah without a doubt and i think it's because those films were so prominent that, yeah. that we we talk about that and you're right Hans Zimmer you can pick up and you can see how Hans Zimmer has evolved and so on um, absolutely but it's it's just how prolific and how um sort of you know how well performing those films were that you that you do pick up on that so yeah definitely and uh, Danny Elfman Danny Elfman has has made yeah. a career out of of a style um and mm. certain filmmakers would go to him knowing what they what they're going to get so yeah, yeah. It, by no means am i am i talking down of, of no, john williams no. so absolutely absolutely no it no, no it's um yeah it's a real yeah it's it's it, it is what it is it's it's the nature of it's the nature of movies mm -hmm. so i you know what that brings us to the end of the first monkey see monkey review podcast in over six months and uh you know what mate it's good to be back. I've had an absolute blast. Thank you very much for no kicking my backside back into doing it. Yeah, and and mine too, and mine too. Um, I just wanted to say I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the uh, the the call to arms in a moment, but um, I am aware because I I have looked at the um, the listener stats in the last few months that if you have uh, if you have kept the the podcast. Uh, ticking over if you have been listening in the last six months uh, to, to what we've put out before thank you because it really does it really does mean a lot that people people are still picking us out and listening to us um, uh, really hope you you know you're happy to see us back and we'll keep coming along for the ride promise we're not going to go anywhere for too long we're probably not going to keep up the the every two weeks uh, routine that we did previously 
um, but we will try as best we can to get into your ears as often as we can uh, because you know I, I forgot how much I love doing this um, so yeah if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast um, uh, if you if you have listened to us before uh, and you're happy to see us back would you do us a Christmas favor would you go on to your uh, podcast supplier uh, particularly if it's uh, Podchaser or Apple Podcasts, and give us uh, a five-star rating and a review if you can, just because it captures people's attentions as we're coming in. We are, you know, 10 out of 10 for five-star reviews, which are really, really appreciative of everybody that's given us those before now. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, um, we are at MSMRPod on Twitter. Uh, that is probably the most active place we are at the moment. Um, we're weighing with film news and comments and uh, little, little sides. Uh, join in the conversation and give us feedback on the episodes. Uh, we're also on Instagram. So if you search Monkey See Monkey Review on Instagram, we are there. Um, please follow us. We're also we've also got a Facebook group. So if you search for Monkey See Monkey Review on Facebook, uh, we can add you to the private group. Uh, it's not that active, but it would be nice to see some faces of people and uh, get a conversation going, uh, particularly with me, uh, as I'm the one that admins it. And we also have an email address, uh, which is msmrpod at gmail dot com. So if you want to drop us an email that way, that would be magnificent. Craig. Thank you very much. Um, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, but to just you know talk films for an hour and a half has been an absolute blessing. So thank you oh, very much. I've loved every minute. Thank um, you very much for having me, buddy. And uh, yeah, it's good to be back. And we will be back. I'm sure we'll be back. You guys are going to be back, right? I mean, you guys give up? Or are you thirsty for more? Merry Christmas from all of us here at uh, Monkey See Monkey Review. And wishing you a happy new year. Love to you all. Merry Christmas. Bye.